Uh, good morning. For those of you wondering, this guy is me, Jason Coker. I'm one of the co-ministers here on staff. And lately we have been going through a teaching series on community, which is, of course, one of the reasons why Alex took this amazing opportunity for us to celebrate uh, what we've been doing with Feeding San Diego and how Feeding San Diego has been empowering the work here, because we really see this bigger picture of community as being integral to the way that we practice our faith. And so that's really what I want to chat about today, the idea of how it is that we take these ideas about community and help push them beyond the realm of beliefs and ideas into actual practices that impact our lives for better. For those of you who have been around for the last several weeks, you know we've been doing this by going through first Acts chapter 2, and then this month we've been visiting Romans chapter 12. So we're going to continue with Romans chapter 12 today and take a look at how that ends. Before we do, I just want to ask that you take a moment and pray with me. God, we thank you for today, for this opportunity for us to gather, to raise our voices, to lift our prayers, to sing, to express our gratitude, to offer our whole selves to you as a sacrifice so that we might become a people who are transformed by your goodness, your grace, your gospel. We pray that you would continue that work in us today as we come before these words we ask that you'd shape us, that you would help us to become a community of genuine love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So lately I've been noticing uh, the awkwardness of trying to greet other human beings in this sort of weird post-COVID, not quite post COVID space. Do you have this problem? Like I will go up to people and I'm trying to like read all the signs. Are they comfortable shaking hands? Are they not comfortable shaking hands? And then oftentimes they, I, invariably, if I like reach out my hand like this, cause I think they're ready to shake hands, they will push out like a fist cause they want to bump fists. And then, you know, that other awkward thing happens where we like see each other, like we're missing each other. So then they open their hand and I close my fist and then we're, you know, it's just a total miss, right? There's that like awkwardness that happens between us when we're greeting each other. I was thinking about this because recently uh, a member of a cohort that I'm a part of in school was sharing about his experiences in Costa Rica. Uh, he actually has ministered in Costa Rica for many years. And we were talking about these rituals of greeting, how it is that people in different countries, different cultures, different ethnic groups greet each other. And he was saying that in Costa Rica, there's this long-standing tradition that uh, cultivating a community of peace is one of their highest values. Back in 1948, at the end of a bloody civil war in Costa Rica, they actually disbanded the military and haven't had a standing army since 1948. Now, this is Costa Rica, mind you, so, you know, the climate and the scenery uh, are conducive to, you know, maybe not being so upset all the time, but, but they have such a high national value for peace and peaceful relationships that they disbanded their military after a brief civil war. And one of the rituals of greeting that has cultivated in Costa Rica since then is that when people meet each other in mixed company, like, you know, say you're hanging out with a group of friends and, you know, a friend of yours brings their group of friends they, it's extremely important for them to take the time for every individual in group A 
to greet every single individual in group B, to spend time getting to know that person and talking and like unpacking personal information. So imagine like two groups of five who are total strangers to each other, the enormous amount of time it would take for each member of each of those groups to really one-on-one greet the other person. The other feature of that is they tend to shake hands, but people across genders have a tradition of kissing each other on the cheek as a greeting. And they call this literally the kiss of peace because they really see these extended, deeply personal, mutually respectful social interactions as cultivating a more peaceful community. And I was just really struck by that story when, uh, when Kyle, my cohort member, shared it because it seemed so intentional. And so many of our kind of daily rituals, uh, our daily habits, are not intentional. They're just sort of the things that we've picked up along the way. One of the things I appreciate about the way that Romans chapter 12 ends is that it ends with this same exhortation for us to be deeply intentional about how we practice love for each other. So by way of a quick reminder, what we've learned so far at the beginning of Romans chapter 12, Paul says that we ought to offer ourselves completely to God in worship. And I said one way of thinking about that is that Paul is exhorting us because God is a good and gracious and merciful God. Paul says to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That is to offer our whole selves completely to ultimate goodness. That we ought to give ourselves over entirely body and soul to what is good and right and true. And Paul says that that act of giving ourselves completely transforms us, that it changes us. And one of the things it transforms, he talks about in the next few verses, verses three through eight, he says that it changes our relationships with each other. Specifically, he says, we learn to appreciate that we can only exist in giving ourselves completely to goodness with each other's help. That we are dependent on the gifts and skills and talents and abilities that every other person brings into the relationship. Paul talks about this in terms of spiritual gifts. And he says we're like a body, right? The arm can't do without the legs and can't do without the fingers and the eyes and the noses and the ears. He uses that really powerful metaphor to say we need each other deeply. So that's what Paul has been talking about up to this point. And so you can see that Romans chapter 12 is building a kind of concept of community that's based on being utterly devoted to goodness. And then as a result of that, being utterly devoted to being good to each other. So then from there, he ends chapter 12 with, I think, really important set of passages. And here's what I want to do today. I want to read these verses to you. It's specifically Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. If you have your Bible, you can turn there, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read these passages to you. And I'm going to ask that where, you know, however you are seated, whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're watching uh, at home on YouTube or Facebook, that wherever you are, that you find a comfortable posture to listen to these words. 
I know, it's quarter to 12. I'm hungry too. I promise we will be out of here in time for lunch. <laughs> Good. But I want you to find a comfortable posture, right? Let go of any anxiety that you brought here today. And I want to invite you to really open your ears and open your hearts to these words. And as I read them, I'm going to read through these words twice. The first time I read through these verses, I want you to just imagine the images that come to your mind as you hear these words and phrases. And then I'm going to pause, and I'm going to read it a second time. And the second time I read it, I want you to allow one word or phrase or sentence to really come to the surface for you. That might be different for every one of you. Whatever it is that your heart needs to hear today will likely come to the surface for you as I read these. Because for whatever reason, that's what's important or powerful for you today. So this kind of reading is similar to Lectio Divina. It's a kind of meditative reading of scripture. And I want us to do this together as a group. And then fair warning for those of you who are the introverts in the room, when we're done, I'm going to ask you to turn to somebody next to you and share what word or phrase really rose to the surface in your mind or your heart and why you think that one is really important to you. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to read through it once and then twice. I want you to really meditate on what words or phrases are jumping out at you. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, Paul says this. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, as I read this list of practical advice for how to love, just quietly ask God, 
to bring something to the surface in your heart and your mind. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, but be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will keep burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And my question, of course, to you is, what really jumped out at you in this passage? What word or phrase or image sits heaviest on your heart? Or what word or phrase or passage really inspired you? What was like a light bulb moment for you? So I'm going to give you just about Three minutes to very quickly turn to your neighbor. Uh, And nobody has to participate in this. If you don't want to, that's okay. Just politely say, I'm going to sit this one out. That's all right. But turn to your neighbor, one or two people next to you. Share with them the word or phrase that really jumped out at you. And this is important. Tell them why you think this was important to you. Right? I'm going to give you about three minutes. All right, I'm interested in what you all heard from each other. So as you shared, what portion of this passage really jumped out at you, was meaningful to you, was inspiring to you, or maybe was troubling to you as you shared that with each other, uh, what did you hear that was helpful or inspiring? I'd love to hear from a couple of you. That was such a hard task. That that is such a message dense path, you know, a scripture passage. It's yeah. like, how do I pick? It's like, like kid in the candy store. Like, how do I pick? You know, but like for me, I was just relating um, that I was at San Diego Pride yesterday, uh-huh. and like you know, right off the bat, just as we're getting started in the parade. There, there's Westboro Baptist. Baptist. You know, uh-huh. I'm sorry, I don't want to conflict of interest here, but. Um, but so the message that I picked, um, that um, I mean, because there were so many in there, was um, was to love those who would curse me. You know, yeah. it's like those who would persecute me. Yeah. And it's like as I was like passing, and of course there was no time because we were you know we were moving along in a parade. But it was like 
I'm, I'm one of you. You're, we're the same. Like we, we're with the same guy. We're with the same program here. Mm. You know, and so it's um, and and just you know feelings about within family and not receiving the message that you want to hear. But it's like they're they're trying. You know, like love those who you know. Because sometimes persecution isn't outward, like persecution. It's 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 indifference, or yeah. it's not hearing the message that you hard you would like to hear. You know, mm. and so it's like be you know to be patient in that, and to be loving, and to be as understanding as possible in that in that feeling and in the in that dynamic. Surely it, there are blessings that come yeah. from that and yeah. and growth. So thank you for sharing that, Tindo. Yeah. You know, it, it occurs to me that when we read a passage like, um, you know, bless your enemies, do not curse them, that a lot of us, maybe even in this room, would say, I don't have any enemies. I mean, I, I definitely have enemies. You can't be the pastor of a church and not have enemies. Because <laughs> people are like, oh, you did not do that, uh, or whatever. But it occurs to me that Tindo is sharing something very vulnerable, which is that uh, Tindo has real enemies who yesterday were openly, publicly picketing and protesting against Tindo's existence. Um, that's very humbling for me. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. I think one of the things, and I alluded to this last week in my teaching, one of the things that we don't do well in church is we don't know how to have enemies. We tend to think that we're not supposed to have any enemies because Jesus told us to love our enemies. But y'all can't live authentically, ethically, morally in this world and not make enemies. So how do we have enemies in the way that Jesus taught us to if we're followers of Jesus, right? And I am, so that matters. Thank you for sharing that. All right, anybody else? What I thought was a powerful experience was the three of us shared and the act of sharing what stood out magnified the experience mm. of the reflection on scripture. It made us each more reflective about how we had heard it, but I think also it created a reflective community yeah. in that. And so I think we have lost a lot of reflective community and it's really important. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really agree. I, and some of you guys know this already, but I think it's so important that we learn to lean into the reading and interpretation of scripture in community rather than just people showing up and hearing what somebody like me has to say. Um, and, uh, so I think that's a great example of that. And I, and I agree with Shauna's statement that in doing that, the passage is magnified, but also like the community itself is magnified in a really positive way. Uh, so I think that's really powerful. Thank you. Anybody else? One more, maybe. Lucy? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> Jen? Okay. Sorry, Lucy. I thought for sure you were like... Um, we were the one that we were talking about was was back to enemies and I love this point that if you are standing for clear principles 
you'll have enemies. <laughs> um, and, but I think one of the things we established in just talking about, you know, people in our lives, like, you know, at high school, in our neighborhood, who want things very differently than us, but in a way that would do violence to people mm. in the world, is that you don't, what does it mean to love your enemy? Uh, it doesn't mean that you are agreeing with them. It does not mean that you are supporting those ideas. I didn't do that. Um, it it means you ultimately may care about their well-being. Like you want them to be okay, mm -hmm. but you absolutely don't have to condone. So how do we care about someone's well-being and try to support goodness for them sort of without um, extending sympathy for a set of beliefs or ideas that are very problematic. So that's kind of, I guess, the tension that we were talking about. And what makes that complicated for me, Jen, is that they may be doing the very same thing to you, right? And that's where I think it, ultimately, we do have to decide where we stand, recognizing that not only might we make an enemy, but we might be wrong too. Like we, there's room for us to grow in this. Anybody else have like something they really want to share or should we get closer to lunch? Yes, Gary. Yeah, we all kind of agreed on the same thing. Gary, we're gonna, have, we're gonna have the microphone for you. There you go. Yeah, we all came to the same conclusion. Great, uh, over, over uh, see evil with goodness. Yeah. That's good. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that, Gary. So two quick bookends that I notice in this passage. I think this passage begins with a bookend and ends with a bookend. And the opening bookend, of course, is love must be genuine. I think that our weakness as sort of 21st century Americans is that when we hear love must be genuine or love must be sincere, we assume that means we have to like really feel it. Because that's usually what we mean by sincerity, is that we actually do feel that thing inside of us. But the biblical worldview doesn't really have space for a kind of disembodied notion of sincerity. When Paul says love must be genuine or love must be sincere, he means that what you say you believe must be proven by what you do. This is why Jesus says you'll know a good tree, tree by its good fruit and a bad tree by its bad fruit. It's why James says faith without works is dead. Because ultimately, love becomes genuine, it becomes authentic, it becomes real when we actually manifest it in acts, concrete actions of goodness towards others, which is why the rest of this is essentially a long list of practical, concrete suggestions for what to do in our lives every day in order to show love. And certainly the hardest of these is to love our enemies, which I think is the other bookend. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This whole ending passage in Romans chapter 12 is about how we live out 
and act out love concretely, not just as an abstract ideal, not just as a feeling, but as a show of actions for the good of other people in our lives. Here's the real issue, I think. When love becomes just an abstract ideal, when it's relegated to mere talk or theologizing or poetic prayers that extol the virtues of love but are not committed to actually walking it out, love itself becomes an idol in our lives. And when I say that it becomes an idol, I'm saying that it becomes two things. Number one, utterly ineffectual. The hallmark of idols in the Old Testament is that they don't have real power. When we make love as an abstract ideal, an idol in our lives, we deprive love of its actual power. The second thing I mean when I say that love becomes an idol is that that dumb, powerless, abstract concept now rules over us. When we make love into some kind of platitude that makes us feel better inside when we talk about it and sing about it and pray about it, we actually destroy the thing that love is supposed to create. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has been our conversation partner throughout this whole series, and I'll share something else he wrote in Life Together. He said, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. This is a real problem in religion. We love our ideas, our concepts, our theologies, our doctrines more than we love each other. And we are here and only here for one reason, and that is to learn to love in real, concrete, life-changing, transformative ways. Paul says that begins by falling in love first with God who is love. If you are not first in love with God, then you cannot love because as John would say, God is love. And it's way past time for us to leave. So don't make me preach a whole nother sermon (laughs) about how making God into love is susceptible to being an idol too. The point is that we are supposed to walk this out in ways that are genuinely costly. Loving each other costs something. The good news is it's worth the cost. It's worth the cost to create a world where we build real practices of love into our lives every day. And by doing that, because of our great love for God, we create a community, however small, where we actually don't do violence to each other. We really do love each other. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for today, for these words, for how even just reading a, a simple but profound list from Romans chapter 12 is inspiring us and uh, agitating us in good ways. We confess, God, that it is hard 
to love people who seem to want to harm us. And we confess, God, that it's a whole lot easier to seek to control other people than to love them. And so, God, give us a heart for you, a heart for a kind of love that is generous and merciful and gracious, a love that is willing to lay our bodies on the altar as a living sacrifice. We pray that these images that we read about and talk about and pray about would become real concrete actions in our lives because we generally desire to be more like you. We pray that you would walk us through all those complexities in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, good morning, Oceanside Sanctuary. My name is Rich Franks. I'm a member of this community. Um, I'm just going to close today with a, a few opportunities that you can get more deeply involved with this community. Uh, first of all, there is a group and team leaders training that's going to be happening on Sunday, July 31st from 4 to 7 p.m. Um, and this is for anybody who's uh, involved in any type of um, leadership, uh, leading groups, leading small groups, leading teams at the church. Um, number two, there's a Justice Works meeting coming up. And this is a way to put your faith into action um, by showing how the church uh, organizes uh, to, uh, on social issues related to the poor, oppressed, and marginalized. And that is occurring on July 24th at 2 p.m., and that's going to be on Zoom. Uh, third opportunity for you to get involved is Forgiveness, Understanding the Journey. This is a six-week group process on learning to forgive. It's based on the book um, um, called The Book of Forgiveness by Desmond Tutu. And that's going to occur um, August 9th through September 13th, 6.30 to 8 p.m. on Zoom. And to get more information on any of these, you can scan the QR code, you can go to the website and uh, find out more information. Finally, we are a 501c3. Uh, we rely on your donations. So if you feel so moved to give, um, please do so. And now in closing, um, as you go out into this world uh, to, uh, today and for the rest of the week, um, please remember to love, uh, love others, love your enemies, and may the peace of God go with you. Also with you. Bye,